welcome to Stand and Deliver, a JoJo podcast. This week, we discuss episodes 5 through 8 of part 6, Stone Ocean. If that's the comparison, I mean, yeah, I, I guess like the experience of playing high on life is probably pretty similar <laughs> to Strogification. There was one of the most positive reviews I saw was like two stars, and it was basically, oh, you could watch Tammy and the T Rex. Yeah, like that seems like the best part of it. <laughs> watch Tammy and the T Rex with the red letter media guy. Sure, like that's yeah. way more appealing to me than everything else about oh, that. Hi. No, we're, we're this back. will horribly date the podcast. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean horribly dated? It's already the, this show came out a year ago. Because the Grimmies are going to go up around the same time as this episode, and is it? Uh Yes. We don't want Probably. to play our hand that we're juicing the Grimmies by conspiring to play about an hour of High on Life. <laughs> An hour? You're gonna go that far? <laughs> you went less than that? I don't know. I where haven't is, it at all yet. Where is your journalistic in- integrity? You have not spent 60 minutes in this Justin Roiland game. I don't know. Well, we'll get to that later. This week, uh, episodes 5 through 8 of Stone Ocean. Here we go. Yeah. What happens? Tell me. Since, well... Tell me the things that you already said last week because you thought they were in an episode we were talking about last week. Jolene Joestar uses her stand um, stone-free to to get Jotaro out of a Pale Snake's dream world thing. Um, oh, but Jotaro... wait. Oh, first order of business. Yeah. On the controversy about Windows last week. Oh, uh, so, well, I went back to it and discovered that, though I was right that it shows him shooting from across like the uh, yard or whatever from his cell, and it does do the zoom-in thing that I talked about, when it zooms in, it's showing the like matrix code air current vision, so you never actually see the window, so you can't tell where he is, or like where the window yeah. is that he's shooting into, so that remains a mystery. We're yes. We were both, like, basically right about that, because yeah. uh, you were still, you didn't see the fan part, though. Well, this is all still us getting in way too deep on something that did not occur within reality in the JoJo universe. Yes, that's true. This, this is a whole lot of effort for nothing. Um, I yeah. would also like to apologize to Duffy. I said some things last week that I did not mean. <laughs> I read about that afterwards, and I felt very bad. Okay. Um, yeah, kidnapping's not a great thing. 
I don't know what I thought it was. <laughs> I don't know either. I thought, I, I, in my brain, I guess I was thinking of like the uh, bit from Eric Andre where they like pick the kid up and put him in the van. Like it's a joke. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I thought that. They did horrible things to her. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, I'm sorry to Duffy who listens to this podcast. Also, quick note about last week, we forgot to mention the part where, for no apparent reason, Jolene says, hey, there's an alligator or crocodile out there. And it just shows a little inset of a crocodile, which stuck out to me at the time as being probably a panel in the manga where Araki just thought, I want to draw a crocodile today <laughs> and did it like Mark Trail or something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I thought I thought of that because of the events of these episodes. So we haven't done this podcast in a long time. We shook the rust off last week and hopefully mm. I will not say anything incredibly bad this time. <laughs> no guarantees. <laughs> I will not promise anything. Um yeah, so Jotaro is uh stirred out of White Snake's illusion uh because Jolene uses her stand but also like in in his version of that reality he is also noticing inconsistencies so the two of them are now in the come room yeah. and everything is melting and Although, they need to find a way to get out of there uh, apparently they shared uh, the illusion at some point although jotaro also had his own i interpreted as it was manifesting essentially the same illusion that was being experienced independently and so his veered off because he noticed things at an earlier stage in it than jolene did maybe but that also could just be like the result of some inconsistencies in the writing because there are some stuff later that does make it seem like they experienced the entirety of the same illusion but it doesn't yeah yeah play that's what out i'm talking about way. when he talks to her about um oh, i don't remember i'm not sure it yeah. could either be just a weird inconsistency in the story that's the result of something rocky did or david productions did or we're just understanding it wrong who could say i mean okay so i i would guess the thing is white snake was entirely creating the illusion it's not something where like their minds make it up because he knew about star yeah. platinum yes um, i do think it is very much an intentional illusion because he's also projecting uh downtown transfer into their illusion as well and it's yeah a, that confused me too because when they they wake up they've not sustained the same damage that they did from inside of the illusion like that stuff is all gone yeah right it's an so, illusion yeah so what was the point of putting that stand in there couldn't you just do an <laughs> illusion that does not put them in a state of like duress and just stretch it out for a really long time if your end goal is to simply melt them or uh just like don't give them an, an illusion that will tell them what your guy's thing does yes this seems like a very ill-conceived plan despite <laughs> yeah. the fact that it mostly works out in the end yeah um but yeah, I mean, obviously you can't do that from a, a story perspective because you need to make something that is interesting for the audience. So that's why you have the whole stand battle within an illusion. But from an actual like character motivation thing, it doesn't make any sense. No, instead of a white snake, uh, the stand should have been called Use Your Illusion. Oh, that would have been the good. The Guns N' Roses album. Yeah. But also, aren't they like all contemporary around the time that he made the... Oh, art? white snakes from the 80s didn't he make part six in the 80s <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> uh 
That was a very good point. Uh, yeah, yeah there's a character named Foo Fighters in here. Sure. I... Well, whatever. They're both awake. They need to get out of the room. Manhattan Transfer is not from the time this was created. Larry, I mostly listen to video game music. You listen to like city pop on YouTube. That is true. I listen to a lot of city pop and Neil C. Segarra. I'm probably not saying this name correct. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> how, do you, how do you say it? John Gallier, Neil C. Segarra. <laughs> I got John Gallier right. You, yeah, and you're right about Hermes. I listen to it now that they actually say her name like often. And yeah, they say Hermes in the Japanese version. Oh, too. it's still in the Japanese version. Okay, yeah. I continued watching the dub to just round these ones out because oh. I already watched the first two episodes in the Man, dub. You missed a really good part in this okay. episode, then. But okay, well, well, what was it? Uh, when Jolene says "Lucky Yahoo," oh, okay, yeah, I might need to go back and rewatch and the this whole one. bit with Hermes and uh, McQueen later. But all right. There's some good stuff with Hermes and McQueen in the dub specifically, though, but we'll get there. Okay. Uh, so they, they have to get out of this room. They have to basically crawl out because the stand is draining them of all their energy. Uh, and also, by this point, like, security is coming. They're aware that there is, like, an emergency going on in the visitation area. So there's this sort of like, we really need to get the fuck out of here. Like, there's still a stand user nearby, but also, like, dudes with guns are coming and they're going to shoot us. Mm-hmm. Um, but this all kind of, like, it ends up leading them into into a trap. This was all by design. Uh, because White Snake is kind of lying in wait for Jotaro, but then also uh, Downtown Transfer is still out there trying to snipe them. Also, he is dressed up as a cop now. Yes. Did he put his pants on correctly? I didn't notice. I didn't notice either. I wonder if he did. Maybe. It'd be really good if he's just dressed as a cop and he's walking around with the butt of his pants sticking out. Mm. Mm. Larry, what happens what? next? <laughs> I can't keep talking the entire time. You need to take some of the description of the episode <laughs> off my shoulders. Well, they come out of the room, they go into the hallway. Uh, John Golly A is there uh, that's when you get the whole bit about um jotaro d- having given the charm to jolene and they bond over it but yeah there's a bit too where he's just like you absolutely must hold on to this thing no matter what yeah uh, which we find out a little bit later is because it's also a transceiver for a, a full-ass submarine that he's just parked outside of this place from the Speedwagon foundation again things yeah. you mentioned last week that and uh the bit where Jotaro specifically says this is the sacrum bone from a human female that's been melted down with acid. Yeah, so you and I got into a bit of a debate about what that when was. You knew the to answer to it. You just I, forgot yeah, it. <laughs> well, no, you were like, it's a hip, uh, it's a hip bone. A pelvis bone is you know, a hip bone, which is not true. I looked it up. A pelvis bone is a different thing than a hip bone. It's attached to the hip bone, but it's different. But All you bones know are it, attached together, Larry. Do you, you think know, a rib bone is part of the foot bone? Yes. You know why I meant, though. No! Yep. <laughs> okay. 
But we did, like, there was a moment where we were both like, that's probably, like, the very bottom portion, like, yeah. the tailbone, but it's actually, like, the bit that sits above that, but has been, like, shrunken down to teeny tiny size? Yeah, and I don't know how, like, being melted with acid would do that. Like, it wouldn't, it would just, like, dissolve it. It wouldn't shrink it. I have no idea what medical text Iraqi read when he decided to come up with that, but. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I would assume like acid's effect on bone would just make it brittle enough until eventually it breaks down. Mm-hmm. That that's what I would guess. Well, weird. Apparently, it gives you I'm, little I'm not tiny bone baby expert. bones. <laughs> I mean, Emporio was very small. Maybe his mom was also very small. That's true. Yeah, well, Emporio is like nine years old. That's why he's tiny. I guess so. I still wasn't sure exactly how old he is. I think he is supposed to just be a kid. Okay. He's been living in the walls. Yeah. As kids do. Yeah. You never burrowed into the walls of your house when you were a little child? We met? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. Well, you never... I'm Larry Davis. With me, as usual, <laughs> is George Brundle. Uh, didn't say that. Oh, the rust well. is not completely off yet. So, so yeah, John Gallier is coming for him. Uh, there, there's a really good bit where there's like a cop or one of the guards that runs by the portion of like the security uh, fence that they've gone through and John Gallier just comes up and blasts him in the head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just smokes this guy. Also uh, notable that I guess due to their um, partnership with Netflix for this, uh, no censorship this time on the violins yeah that's right there's um a lot of dismemberment right off the bat in this yeah. season and it's more explicit than it has been yeah i forgot to mention that last time but like specifically the bit where the guy's ear got cut off i was thinking like oh before that would have been like blacked out yeah uh there's still of course like darkening stuff where there's a really high frame rate for yeah you know epilepsy reasons which is good but I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I wish CRT I... filter on for a second. I wish there was a way to toggle that on and off. I'm just saying I think it should be on by default for that reason, but there should be an option to be able to see it. Sure, like an accessibility option in a video game. Yes, if everything was more like video games, really, that would probably be... like. Oh, look, uh, Callisto Protocol, I finished that recently, and uh, that has an option that just lets you turn off QTEs. And it improved my uh, experience immeasurably. I thought you were going to say there was an option to turn off the game, and that sounds just as nice. <laughs> no, like the most irritating thing about it, other than constantly going through vents and squeezing through tights. Like Mark Cerny, if he saw this game, he would get so angry. <laughs> he would look at it, and he would start screaming and punching <laughs> holes in drywall. But it's Mark Cerny screaming, so it would just be this very tiny, like, be like hey. Uh... Yes, the most gentle Super Saiyan transformation you've ever heard. The quiet rage of Mark Cerny. Uh, but yeah, other than that, the most irritating part were the QTEs, especially because some of them are just like from these little alien things that pop out of eggs that there was like no way to avoid. Uh, and so after the second one of those hit me, I was like, okay, I'm just turning off QTEs and uh, didn't regret it. Well... It's too bad Callisto that's not protocol gonna... in stores now. <laughs> Seventy dollars. 
Callisto Protocol. Ooh. Imagine if you paid seventy bucks for that. Oh, yeah, I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> I bet you would be. Thankfully, I don't pay for video games anymore. What's worse, paying seventy dollars for a Callisto Protocol or the like fifty dollars they want for High on Life? Oh, High on Life, definitely. Okay, Callisto Protocol is like okay. It's weird because. It's obviously, it has a huge budget, but it feels like a mid-tier Xbox 360 game in just, a lot of ways. I like how neither of us have actually sat down and played High on Life, but we're both in agreement that would be worse. <laughs> I've, I've seen enough that it has to be worse. So John Gallier is still using his stand to ricochet bullets around, uh, despite Jotaro hiding around a corner and Jolene uh, ducking under like two feet worth of steps with her head poking out yeah she didn't pick a very good hiding spot is what no. i'm saying uh but uh, as he shoots a bunch of rounds at jolene jotaro he tries to uh I'm trying to think of whether he tries to like pull her away or something but he kind of realizes in that moment that it was a setup to get him out in the open yeah, he like he pushes her out of the way, kind of like you know Matt Murdock pushing the old guy out of the way of the truck. He basically does that, and then well, uses a stand to like punch the bullets. Which I don't, he stood there for a while while time was stopped. He could have just like picked up the bullets. Thank you. In that so time. here's here's my criticism of this. Again, getting into like the headspace of characters making very poor decisions in fictional media is sometimes a mistake because the story has to happen yeah but i think jotaro had enough time to push her out of the way and then also walk away yeah just move i mean even if you consider the fact that that part where he's standing still basically is no time you know like like that's just like a millionth of a second or whatever of him thinking then it would um he he still did not actually actually like have to get in the path of the bullets even yeah he had enough time to process this as a trap and his solution was i should punch the bullets instead yeah. of move out of the way yeah yeah i'm basically saying jotaro deserved what happened to him <laughs> uh white snake appears and rips some damn discs out of his head backhands him in the head and pops yeah. some discs out yeah. uh, also i will say about the jotaro thing is that's sort of an that's a consequence of time stop powers being way overpowered and them having to come up with ways to like get around that. Yeah. Dio did the same kind of stuff all the time, really. Yeah. Time has stopped for five seconds. I want to pontificate here for about 20 uh-huh. and now time is moving. I, I wonder if you can maybe stretch that and make the excuse that he has unlimited time in stop time if he doesn't do anything. It's like super time. hot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Like like the the frequency of t- stop time is dependent on them taking action within that time. But if they stand there and they just think about something, then that doesn't contribute towards the amount of seconds they have. Yeah, why not? It makes as much sense as anything else, I guess. You can have that one for free, Iraqi. We can have that free of charge. That's right. Um, So Jotaro's got his discs pulled out, uh, which we we find out not in this episode, but a bit later what these are and why Jotaro kind of reacts the way that he does. Uh, 
but he's basically like if he was losing energy before in the cum room, he is like rapidly losing it now without the discs. He's also yeah. been shot on top of that <laughs> a few times, which yeah, few funny times. later uh, Jolene says something like, well, he's been shot, but it's not that deep. <laughs> it's in the center of his chest. <laughs> and it's like a hole you could like put two fingers in. <laughs> I'm just imagining Jolene assessing the depth by actually sticking her finger into it. I mean, she tries to give him CPR like, on the <laughs> chest wound directly on top of it. Dad's got a bullet in his sternum that's not going to help. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, Jotaro's basically doing the whole, like, no, you got to get out of here, like, save yourself thing. But of course, Jolene's not going for it. So she busts out of the prison with Jotaro and is dragging him towards the submarine and well, as she also this beats the crap out of John Golly. Oh right, yeah. He, she aura auras him. Yeah. Um, and uh he's like, Here, I'll drop my gun. And he's like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and then she's like, Nope, and spins him around and smacks him in the face. I after seeing that saw some sort of TikTok video of a kid and like a ceiling harness thing that spun it all the way around and then started spinning around like a tornado just like John Gallier did. <laughs> okay. It looks funnier in real life, is what I'm saying, but um, why are you watching TikToks? What's the matter with you? I got a lot of free time at work. <laughs> okay. Stuff pops up in my feed, I watch it. I don't care what it is acceptable answer i suppose yeah i got real deep uh recently in a paranormal like rabbit hole thing and started catching myself believing in like orbs like floating <laughs> floating balls of light that people capture on camera and stuff and i yeah. realized like oh shit i'm becoming an orb guy i need to pull myself out of this because like i got way too much goddamn stuff in my brain i don't need that too good times Orbs are probably like real, but they're like there's an explanation. It's got to yeah, be like the moon. What are you talking about? No, it's not the moon. The orbs move around in like a triangular fashion, and sometimes like oh, in, a, in a line, and they move around to different places. Anyway, people think that they're angels or like aliens or something, and I just think it's like light ref refracting off like gas or something. I'm a normal person in the orb community. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a big deal in the orb community <laughs> somebody has definitely said that at some point <laughs> going to the orb convention this weekend I'm going to meet up with the other orb heads yeah me and the orbies we're gonna have a good time now the orbies would be the awards for best orb of the year there's an orb friendly bar down the street we're all gonna hang out there after the convention <laughs> 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 people in town being like oh can't get a hotel this week the orb conventions in town <laughs> orb cosplayers they just dress like normal but they got like a big orb over their heads yeah everybody just looks like the jack-in-the-box guy <laughs> uh, so jolene she gets out there she's calling the taro's dead she He's never going to be in another episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure ever again, or maybe he will. Who knows? Um, well, she... the characters definitely don't mention a specific plan to resurrect him, so who knows? Yeah, they do. Wait, really? Oh, you were being sarcastic. Oh, no, you weren't being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a plan to get Jotaro back. Oh. It's at the very end of the stretch of episodes. It's like it... where this ends. 
No, it isn't. It's at the end of this episode. But them confirming, like, this is the plan we know now. No, it isn't. Now it's at the end of this episode. They say <laughs> we'll get the discs and bring him back to life. Okay, so I'm going to jump ahead. Specifically, she talks to Emporio in the window, and they both say that. And yes, later they also do it again, but... But specifically, the thing is, we now have Jotaro's memory disc. I so can't we... explain it, but I'm certain of it. My dad's not dead. If I get his stand back, he will come back to yes. life. What I am trying to tell you, but you keep interrupting me, is they get his memory disc at the end to stop him from, like, dying. They need one disc to keep him alive, and they get that at the end of this set of episodes. They get they get a stand up, uh, stand disc back. Oh right, stand disc. I'm sorry, not his uh, memory disc. But yes, they they still need memory one. one was what White Snake really wanted. Though you'd think you would want like an all powerful stand. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I wonder if that's like maybe he has a bigger plan in mind, and that is then more important for it. It would be great if he saw how stupid Jotaro was here and was like, oh, his stand must really suck and just like didn't take it. He's just looking into the stand and replaying the memory of the Darby battle where Jotaro is just <laughs> drinking orange juice and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Oh, my God. He didn't even look at his hand. Yeah. He had a crap hand. What the hell? <laughs> just watching. Oh, that's a baseball. <laughs> Pookie's definitely never played a Nintendo. Just rubbing the space between his eyes as Jotaro belts Iggy like a football. <laughs> um, but no, the 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 interpretation that I I took from all this is that because the same thing happened to Imperio's mom, she eventually died because she never got either one of the discs back. So they at least need to get one disc to keep Jotaro in like a comatose state. Okay. So they I'll got, give you that. They got that, and now the plan is we have to get the stand or the memory disc. Otherwise, he's just never going to be like fully back to life. He's just going to be a zombie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she gets to the submarine, and then by this point the guards are already converging on her and she makes the decision of i'm going to go back into the prison because i can't just leave my dad to die and whoever did this must still be inside of the prison um and that's when she has a conversation with a little uh little baby baseball boy about the whole thing with his mom died from from the disc so yes getting removed um which I like that her way of using that is basically like doing um, two tin cans connected by a wire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, like, that sort of principle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Vibrations traveling through it, whatever. Uh, she does use it in some cool ways in this batch of episodes, too. Yeah. It's uh, making me like the stand more. Yeah. This is where I really started to come around on, too. Like, especially the last two episodes. Um, yeah. Because she's not in this next one until, like, the very end. No. Uh, this is an all Hermes episode, and I know Hermes. it's supposed to be Hermes, <laughs> but I refuse. Hermes makes more sense to me and sounds better. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, we have to go with Hermes, though we will never say Jotaro. Although I, I've heard, like, them in the Japanese version specifically say Jotaro, so. Yeah, that has to be, again, a Naruto thing of. I think so. Over pronouncing it, but. Uh, yeah, so we, we've already had it set up that Hermes had come into contact with the arrow, and of course she has a stand, and it has put her in the infirmary. 
Joey, guard meanwhile, is in the punishment ward. Which sounds like something out of Danganronpa. That's what they call it. Yeah. You go to the punishment ward for solitary confinement. Uh, so the guard steals a bunch of money from her while she is uh, passed out in the infirmary. And she is woken up and discovers that she has a sticker on her hand where the arrow penetrated. And when she takes it off, another sticker appears. And then she keeps taking it off, more stickers appear. And then she has extra fingers, and then doesn't. (laughs) Happens sometimes. And then there's some extra shoes around. If you drink enough isopropyl alcohol, you will see a lot more than five fingers on your hand. I say this from experience. Why were you doing that? Sometimes when you build Gumpla, you get a little bored and kind of adventurous, and you put things (laughs) in your mouth that you shouldn't. Yeah, okay. You take a little hit of Mr. Mark Softer for inspiration. Um, A little bit of extra thin rubber cement. Yeah, it just wafted under your nose. Mm -hmm. It's real good. gets you high. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, if she puts a sticker on something, the way that her power works is it will duplicate whatever it's put onto, and when it's removed, it will reunite the duplicate and the original, but that also causes damage to the original basically like colliding two objects together is going to damage or break one of those objects sometimes but not always it's kind of inconsistent about that yeah like initially she tries it and actually says that the first time like with the shoe and she says like oh it causes a bit of damage doesn't look like there's any damage on the shoe no it's more the shoe like pops into the air or something like it it's jostled around from the impact of them coming together. So initially I thought that's what it was going to be was the further the distance between the two objects and the heavier those objects are, the more damage they would sustain. No, but like, yeah, I don't know. She also blows up a bedpan, which made me (laughs) gag a little bit. Just like in Ash versus evil dead. Um, So uh, there's a part later we'll get to where like, there's no damage from doing it, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll get to it. But this guard that she has uh, had her money stolen from, uh, she uses it to knock him out. But when he hits the floor, there's some discs sticking out of his head. Yeah. She decides to grab one, which that confused me because I wasn't sure if that meant, at least initially, that white snake got him at some point of him falling over like in that moment or if it was that the impact of that jarred the discs and it's yeah. the latter it turns out but yeah i i was also wondering about that because i think the deal is basically once you've had contact with white snake then the discs are available to any stand user yeah i guess so i wasn't totally sure the I'm probably wrong about this and I just missed something in the episode or it just kind of like glazed over my brain because I had to digest two more episodes after this. But I interpreted it as he was not a stand user. You could take a stand disc and put it into anybody and give them a power. Yeah, that's what happened. He says it. Okay, I thought for I thought you said that you could give stand users other discs. You can, I think. But what happened here was he gave that guy a stand because later 
again, going ahead, Foo Fighters says something like, if the disc is incompatible with somebody, they won't take it. And that's yeah, what, okay. those were the ones he was keeping in there. But this this is basically the same thing as like the guy going around shooting people with stand arrows, you know? It's just White yeah. Snake giving these cronies his uh, stance he picks up. Given McQueen this disc, and also, I know you watched the Japanese dub. In the English <laughs> dub, I really like how he pronounces McQueen. It's like, Ma Queen. Yeah, he they say it like that in Japan. Okay, uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Also, his name is Thunder McQueen, which made me think this wasn't made after Cars, was it? <laughs> and apparently, no, it's just a coincidence because he was called that in the original manga, too. Rocky hooting and hollering on an inflatable watching Cars by the pool. <laughs> the power strip is like floating in the water. <laughs> Next stand user, Mater. <laughs> For this part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, all the stands are named after cars from the hit movie Cars. <laughs> I, that would not surprise me. That seems like something he would do. <laughs> it would be interesting if he did one, like one part where the stand names were based on movies. Yeah. Have a stand named named Event Horizon. Uh, sure. Yeah, but then you could again have a stand named Paul. Yes, yeah. of course. See going to go to the pool and watch paul call me Araki. i have many terrible ideas that you should not use in your comic book anyway Armessa pops the discs out of this guy's noggin finds out that even though they look like discs they uh, are like rubbery which yeah. is interesting because when i was looking at them i thought those are pretty thick <laughs> like yes. those don't look like actual cds turns out they're they're not they are like thick and bendy I also like that sometimes they appear wet. Yeah, they just got little goops on them. Yeah, so they're the, these weird slimy discs as if they're made out of someone's brain or something like that. Yeah. Which I don't think is the case, but there's something about them that would almost make them seem more organic given the rubbery and kind of wet nature of them. Mm -hmm. um, I would hate to have part of my brain turned into a disc and get flung in the toilet. <laughs> that would suck who, who hasn't been there <laughs> do you know if there's like what the reason is for mcqueen's name tag saying like eowyn i have no idea huh i, I don't think up. i even noticed that honestly what, what are you talking it's a giant name tag on his collar i was looking at that motherfucker's face the entire time because he's drawn real interesting the big m like on his head yes and also or mcqueen I, yeah also i guess like the whole pointy ears thing is just like araki's thing this time like he decided that would be an ongoing yeah. motif because he also like his ears will get pointy sometimes and then yeah others aren't and i like that uh david production was at least consistent about that that definitely seems like a uh Oh, Araki was inconsistent about the size of those between panels, so David Productions is going to be yeah. like slavishly faithful to this. I mean, you can definitely tell when a scene is just one for one traced from a panel. Like there are some yeah. of uh, Hermes in here specifically that I could tell yeah. were just drawn right over it. Well, again, that that alligator like uh, yeah. side gag thing is definitely that. Um, yeah. Definitely. Uh, I haven't the, seen it. I haven't read the book. But The JoJo Wiki says he wears a short-sleeved jean shirt with a tag saying Edwin 
change to Eowyn in the anime. No explanation of what that actually means. So thanks, Joe. <laughs> More information on the net about Fraubo's panties than this guy's name tag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so she basically the disc starts going into her face and like replaying some of these memories, which understandably freaks her out. We also skipped over the fact uh, her stand name is Kiss, mm-hmm. uh, which for the purposes of the American version is not translated to smooch. Nope, that's what I thought it would be. It's smack. Uh, not bad. Yeah, in, in the pantheon of terrible uh, JoJo stand names uh in the english version it's okay what was highway star is that there was like go go stars highway go go so. yeah that something was like that highway go go's all right uh, uh, zipper man is still like hands down the worst one th- this this is a pretty good one for the enemy this time though i'm blanking on what it was I don't know that they actually say it in the episode, but it's I don't in the like interstitial card. It's supposed to be Highway to Hell, and it's changed to Freeway to Hell. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. That's, that's <laughs> basically like Manhattan transfer, downtown transfer. So Yeah, it's, it's close enough. It is yeah. still baffling to me to this day that just eventually Oingo Boingo was okay. Like, I still oh, really also, want to know what the reason was behind that. There's another case like that in uh, the next episode, too. But... Mm. You don't so, remember? Or maybe they changed it for the dub, but not in the subtitles. They may have. We'll we'll get to it, and okay. I'll figure out what you're talking about. But uh, we have this encounter between the two of them in the bathroom, and uh, McQueen is a complete fucking weird-ass psycho <laughs> this entire yeah. episode. He's a manic depressive. He wants to kill himself. He's also a scumbag and should probably kill himself. He's basically <laughs> like half the people I follow on Twitter, honestly. <laughs> He's just, there's this bit where he's just like, I've been stealing from prisoners the whole time. I got like $5,000 stashed away, which is like a genuinely awful thing to do. And well, that's in the, the memory disc. That yeah, but that. but in that memory too is also the bit of uh, Pale Snake just going like, you're the lowest of the low. You're just awful. Yeah, have a like, stand. You're, you're evil. Yeah. There you go. See? Yeah, he says, here, have a stand. Um, yes, you also called him Pale Snake. No, I'm saying Pale Snake is talking to McQueen during that. White Snake. See, this is going to be a problem for me <laughs> as I'm going to get them switched around often. Um, but yeah, he basically thinks that like Hermes is into him and he's very flattered about that. And then he's just like, I'm going to hang myself. Yeah. So he does. <laughs> um which causes like propellers to pop out of Ermus's neck. And so the whole gimmick with his stand is if he tries to kill himself, it will reflect any damage that he experiences back on whoever his target is. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be too proximity based because later on in this episode, Ermus tries to put distance between them and it's not enough. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more like he targets a specific person, not necessarily who's closest to him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I like the idea behind this a whole lot. One thing that they don't, I think, clear up is whether it's any damage at all or if he has to have the intent to kill himself. Hmm. 
Like, if you gave himself a paper cut, would she also get a paper cut? That kind of thing. I don't know. I also don't think it really matters, though. Because, no, uh, but I, I really, doesn't really sustain any other damage that I'm thinking of. Yeah, but so that is what I was thinking, though, is. Or actually. Well, like she hits him once, doesn't she? And it doesn't reflect I, back. Well, on she her. uses the sticker on him at the end. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember if that hit her as well. I don't think it did. Okay. Because I'm thinking about, like, I like that concept for a stand a lot. The whole idea of, like, I'm going to fight you, but you cannot hurt me because whatever you do to me is going to happen to you as yeah. well. The I am rubber, you are glue stand. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't somebody That's a really have good that, stand name. Uh, rubber Soul? I don't remember. Cause Time I thought... to watch all of the series <laughs> from the beginning. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, but anyway, for the, the purposes of this episode, it's really only in situations where he tries to kill himself. There's a good bit where he is saved by her, and he's just like, I can't believe that you would save me. This is so, like, life-changing. I love you so much. Anyway, I'm going to dunk my entire upper half of my body in this, like, basin full of water and try to drown myself. <laughs> Just this very good visual gag of her turning, and this dude's legs are just sticking out the top of it. <laughs> we also didn't mention the bit at the beginning where she starts to wonder, like, if her memory is messed up, and yeah. uh, to prove it is not, she just starts reciting facts like Bugs Bunny's birthday. Yes, it's a very weird Al Yankovic from Part Three <laughs> moment. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's some good visual gags of this dude trying to kill himself. But like I also like that drowning bit because it essentially like traps her more or less in like this psychic bubble of water that she has mm -hmm. to get out of. And so there's some good stuff of her like figuring out how her stand works by trying to get out of these situations. Yeah, th this has my favorite use of it, which is where she puts the sticker on her nose to make a third nostril yes. that she can use to breathe. Which I thought about that and was like, wouldn't you still breathe out of your other two nostrils defeating yeah. the point? Uh, but it's also creative. I like um, it. McQueen is like completely submerged in the basin. So I don't really know why the uh, water globule around her is like only on her mouth and nose. But yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, but, she that's also kind of what I'm talking about is like when she takes it off, it doesn't like break her nose or anything. Yeah. So she gets she saves him again she's like i'm not going to save you a third time just stay the hell away from me she runs out of there runs into little baby baseball boy uh who thankfully does not give her another part of his mother's bones and instead basically just kind of explains what a stand is it gives her some information and then like goes oh hey jolene wanted me to kind of keep an eye out for you um yeah he gives her the whole spiel about like stand yeah. users being attracted to each other yada 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 and then suddenly her wrists are slashed and there's puncture marks going all up and down her arm and she is yeah. being electrocuted simultaneously uh-huh <laughs> which is the most fucked up suicide that this guy does is basically just trying to like electric electrocute himself with saline because it has a high salt content so, yeah, and also slash his wrist and i guess stab his arms a bunch so he tries the slashing first and then the, <laughs> there's like a shock and emporio who's apparently been doing some reading on some very strange subjects in the walls of the prison um <laughs> is like oh, you can't die from being electrocuted normally. Like, humans have electric re resistance. And first of all, I don't think that's true. Uh, second, 
uh, then he's like, well, he could do it by covering himself in saline solution to make himself extra conductive. And I guess McQueen also happened to know that obscure bit of knowledge uh, because he immediately went to the saline. Again, I don't know what medical text Rocky had on hand. <laughs> That's a hundred percent like he read this somewhere and then yes. put that into it immediately. And I really don't think that checks out the electrical resistance of human. I, I wonder if it just means that you need a certain current because otherwise the body would be able to, through electrical resistance, be able to endure so much. But that, yeah. but that would only make sense if it's like, okay, he can't get a good source of enough electricity to kill himself, but if he uses saline, the salt content of that would allow the same electrical source to become lethal. I mean, from what I understood, the main thing would be that... Still way too current, much for a nine-year-old to know. Yeah, like, the electricity would leave you pretty quickly. Like, if you try to stick a fork in an outlet, like, Dale Cooper style, uh, it'll shock you, but, like, you'll let go of it, like instinctively it won't I, keep electrocuting you i know that from experience okay great i when it, when i was a very little kid i went to plug in a lamp and one of my fingers was touching the metal portion of the plug and so mm -hmm. when it went in i got a good zap but i yeah. like let go of it really quick yeah um, i think that's basically it like you sort of need a constant current yeah to be able to do anything you just gotta piss on an electrical generator uh, like no, in, see, well, that won't work either like because, Tommy like, the Boy. stream is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Rob Lowe did it in Tommy Boy. <laughs> I, know, and I know Rob Lowe did. It. He did in that real is life. A scientifically accurate movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that's something actually. I think they tested on MythBusters once. It's like the stream is not constant enough to actually create a current. A Same Rocky with like has... on, on a rail, like a subway rail. Rocky has seen Tommy Boy. Rocky has not seen Mythbusters. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> not. Rocky doesn't like the concept of myths being busted. He wants them intact. Hey, has a woman, a girl, or anything like that ever given you her panties, her freshly worn panties? <laughs> big, big girl panties? If she did, would you stop yourself from killing herself? Yeah, maybe. I'm not. Yeah, I guess I would. <laughs> Think about it for a second. It really depends on the woman, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, this is the offer that Hermes makes uh, to McQueen to get him to stop killing himself. And instead, it only makes him want to kill himself even harder. <laughs> that's, that's just Sigma male behavior, honestly. <laughs> He's just like, oh my god, you really do love me. Now we're going to die together. <laughs> I'll get to spend eternity with you. Ooh. That's better than panties. And also here again, Hermes says "lucky," which I guess is going to be re a recurring thing. This part, yeah. Uh, but she slaps the sticker on, makes a duplicate of like it's supposed to be like I think his entire body, but it's really just like the, kind of the upper portion, like his head. And when it snaps together, it basically knocks him out of this thing. The the idea I think is that some of the energy is absorbed by burning because she's being electrocuted too, so she wouldn't be able to take it off. But the electricity burns off the sticker, yeah, by itself. Yeah. So then it snaps him back together and knocks him out. Yeah, uh, problem solved. Yeah, of course. I, I guess that's that. <laughs> <laughs> Standard JoJo fight, I suppose. Uh, but but Jolene now knows that Hermes has developed a stand, and they're all pretty much in agreement that this uh, white snake fella with his discs is bad news. Mm -hmm. uh, 
But in this uh, following episode is when they finally kind of get together and officially group up to do something about White Snake. Uh, the start of this is there's two male inmates who had broken out and are running towards a shack and are chased by something, uh, which turns out to be a goop monster. But there's a really good bit of they're trying to pull this like shutter door closed. Yeah. And they're yanking at it, and then suddenly there's just two disembodied arms there with a bunch of yeah. blood. And this guy's like, wait a minute, those are my arms. <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, yeah, that's uh those belong to me. I just wasn't really pulling hard enough, I guess. Anyway, bye. <laughs> I just get sucked up by this goop thing, and uh the next day, uh, the weird little guy, the pointy head guy, uh, Conehead, Loco I don't remember Barocco. his name, Loco Barocco, and his alligator pal, who is one of my favorite characters in this entire show. Charlotte. Yeah, just screaming at everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, they're putting together a search team. There is no benefit to being part of the search team. If you're <laughs> part of the search team, in fact, you'll be equipped with wrist uh, bracelets that will blow up like a battle royale. So what do they call it in the dub? Oh, they call it um. Oh God, because like the... they they do call it like a virgins. Okay, see, yeah, the, yeah, they call it that in the subtitles too. So I was wondering, like, why for some reason that keeps its original title? I don't. Madonna's eating out of a dog bowl, man. <laughs> I don't think that she is in the headspace to get litigious over this. Madonna's busy like trying to make herself look like an alien. She pours enough acid on her bones. Maybe she'll accomplish that. Did you see what Madonna did to her bones? I think she's lost it. Some sort of new therapy Gwyneth Paltrow is hawking. Oh, God. Pour this acid on your bones. It's good for you. Goop. Goop. Bone goop. Just all you gotta do is pour some acid on your bones and stick your dick in this laser device. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you'll you'll come like a lady and you'll shrink at the same time. Sounds <laughs> like a deal. I asked you this in private, but between sticking your dick in the dick laser device from Goop or the Wound Cube, I'm glad Wound Cube won for the weirder way to masturbate. Yeah, that's way weirder. Wound cube is freakish. Because wound, one... wound cube is not designed for it. The laser machine is. That's that's what makes it so delightful. Is it's <laughs> beyond its intended purpose. Okay. It's what we call taboo, Larry. It's kinky. Oh. <laughs> anyway, the wound cube is d devilish. The dick laser thing is intriguing. That's where I fall on this. <laughs> Those are the two modes. Devilish <laughs> and intriguing. So Jolene and Ermes, they both agree to be part of this specifically five-person search party. Uh, because yes. Jolene, in examining the disc uh, that she had obtained from McQueen, noticed that in the like supply shed out there, hidden inside the tire, the tractor is just a like a whole spindle worth of discs just a ton of them yeah stuffed in a tire yeah and so they want to go there and get these discs because it may give them some more information about white snake who he is what he's doing where he's at um 
solid plan. Nothing could possibly go wrong. No, absolutely not. There are now six people. Everything has gone wrong. <laughs> and it takes them a while to notice it, too. Yes. I was like there like, eh, there's an extra person here. It was the I think the one in yellow is the one that actually appears. So I don't want to jump too far ahead. And in a little bit, I'll kind of go through my thought process behind this because it did throw me off for a bit. Okay. This this episode had fully enraptured me with its mystery. I could not piece it together. <laughs> okay. the, re- the reveal of what's going on actually surprised me. It was, it's uh, basically Murder on the Orient, Orient Express. It is literally just as good as Murder on the Orient <laughs> Express. Um, but there's a good bit, though, where the guard and Ermus are getting into Hercule it. Hercule and... Poirot never saw anybody spontaneously explode. I'll say that. <laughs> If he knew what a stand was, it would have blown his mind and he would have quit his craft. Yeah. Um, anyway, so they're... they get these bracelets on them and they're going to explode if they get uh, further from yeah. further than 50 meters, 50 meters away from their guard. Or if they talk long back. Of a distance. Yeah. If, if they talk back, he's got the kill switch and the, and the guard demonstrates this by fucking around with Hermes. Uh, and triggering her bracelet and this is all just a ploy to get her to fall backwards into some alligator shit <laughs> yeah uh, which, which uh, of course backfires yes jolene uses her stand to put a gigantic leaf between her and the shit and then the shit flies all over the guard yeah real uh biff tanner good. moment <laughs> biff tannin not tanner biff tannin danny, Tan- danny tanner Never got mauled by plankton, as far as I'm aware. So this <laughs> has ended objectively, objectively worse for the guard. Yeah. Um, so they get near the uh, the utility shed, except as they do, the guard is now like, hey, we're going to look in this direction. So there's this tension of we need to look quickly before this guard gets too far away. But because... Yeah, because the guard is... just like keeps tooling around on his little ATV. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really seem to care how far away he gets from them. This is one really good bit, though. We talked about the whole thing with, like, stop time and wasting too much time about, to- like, talking about things. Uh-huh. And then still having a disproportionate amount of time left to actually do stuff. Ermes and Jolene talk so much about we need to go in there very quickly and get the discs before this guy gets away that he ends up putting too much distance and they have to, like, run out there anyway. Yeah. Um... I appreciate that it subverted my expectations. That's why it's good. Um, so they get out there and new ground. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the guard's dead. He's fallen off his ATV, uh, which at first it seems like maybe an alligator got him, which is not the case. But because the body is moving around underwater, is getting so far away from everyone that their collars are all going haywire, uh, except. One in particular just literally explodes. Their entire yes. body just pops open. Yep. The weird looking green lady in overalls gets blowed up. Is that her hair or is it a hat? I think it's a hat. Okay. I, I've been going with hat too. Because it's um, got like, it's, it kind of looks like she like carved a melon basically and hollowed it yeah. out. So here's the thing. She's in the intro to the show, so I knew that she was going to be a big-named character and part of like the main group. Mm-hmm. So her blowing up, I didn't think, oh, they did a bait-and-switch kind of thing. I didn't think that that was the case for a second. What I thought was, she is the enemy stand user, and her blowing up is a illusion of sorts created by whatever her stand power is. 
honestly, that is also what I thought because I knew who Foo Fighters is and like what their power is and like the whole nature of them. And so I also thought that. Turns out you didn't know shit about who Foo <laughs> Fighters is. I didn't know uh, about his plan to assimilate into the prison ecosystem. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah. Um, so while all this is going on, there's, there's basically been this argument about there are six of us, somebody killed the guard, one of us is the enemy, and we don't know who. Uh, and everyone looks just freakish enough to potentially be a stand user. The, uh, I don't know. That one lady like, one. in the red basically looks normal. Yeah, but then there's one lady who has like diamond-shaped pupils. She, uh, Araki, apparently, that's another thing this part he started doing a lot because uh, at the very beginning in the opening scene, there were a couple of prisoners that had eyes that looked like that too. It's so weird. Yeah, uh, it like. Is. It, it's kind of hard to explain, but they're basically their whole eye is a black mass with like maybe three little bits of white at the corners. Yeah. Uh, and then this other lady has a crazy stand user haircut and has like um, a tan zodiac on her face. Yeah. It's like a, the Leo Zodiac sign is like tan lined on her face or something like that. But um, they both look like they could be stand users. I initially there was part of me like before the lady blew up where I thought the stand user was that one with the tan lines. Yeah. It, it turns out it's all of them. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. the correct answer. <laughs> um, the stand user Foo Fighters is not Bef- just a stand user, that, but though, there is the part where um, after mm-hmm. the one Atro blows up, uh, Hermes is like looking around, goes into the bucket uh, and finds that uh, there are a bunch of tiny stands in there. Yeah, now the bucket's on her head and she's being dragged <laughs> around underwater. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is also a really good bit of, like, Jolene turns away, hears a scream, turns back around, and this chick's got a bucket stuck to her head <laughs> and getting pulled through water. <laughs> Love bucket head. Yeah, but... The uh, stand Foo Fighters isn't just a stand, it's not just a stand user, it is a colony of sentient plankton that was made sentient because it had absorbed one of the the discs. Yeah. And its whole thing is, it is very adamant about, like, it is intelligent, it is a living creature, it values its life and its intelligence, intelligence has existed before even the universe and that it is not limited to just humans. Uh, also, half of it is just a screaming, raging idiot monster that can't talk. Yes. It likes <laughs> water. It is basically like a Goo Goo Dolls. It's just this like screaming little banshee thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it has already like killed and hollowed out everybody but Ermes and Jolene, and so it has just been like wearing their flesh around. Um in fact, a flesh I think can, puppet. Yeah. In fact, well, one of them was the two guys it consumed earlier, so it can like not just assume their normal form, but reshape it into whatever it wants. Is that true? That's what it said. It said that the one with the tan lines was made from the two guys. Oh, that it okay. Yeah, it. yeah. All right. I remember that now. Um, I mean, obviously, it can reform itself based on the end yeah. here, but uh, yeah, I forgot about that. There's a good bit, though, of Jolene running to get Ermes where she's using her stand to basically create like a tightrope 
and it's like yeah. she's expending more thread the further she goes and then when it tries to attack her because she's used so much it's created like a cavity so she's totally fine yeah just punches right through her yeah that's good that's a really good use of that that is the point where i started coming around on it same um, like the combination of like making the tightrope to walk on and then yeah. that was like yeah okay i'm getting behind this now I imagine they'll they Rocky probably does some very cool things with that very late in the series once he's a lot more comfortable with it. But I have um, a prediction. Okay. I feel like at some point she is going to like unravel into threads and sort of wrap them around an enemy and then pull it tight and like cut them into tiny pieces. I thought she would have done that by now, honestly. Yeah. That's like if I had that stand power, that's one of the first things that I would think of. Yeah. Uh but I wonder if it's a tension thing, if the thread is too thin, if the thread itself would just worked pop. on the ear. It did work on the ear, yeah. And um, even after like putting all this thread out, she had enough strength in uh, Stone Free to like get a good punch on Foo Fighters. So yeah, it should should work. She could have cut Gwes's whole damn head off. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they they uh get the fight back on land because the whole thing is this guy needs water it needs hydration in order to operate so it can't just be out there away from its main source of fluid because uh, again it's plankton he's got some grievances he wants mr crab's recipe and now that he's got oh sandbox, yeah i mean you love spongebob so of course that's I, the reference you go straight to you I never shut up about so spongebob i fucking hate that show so much <laughs> Apparently not. You're here saying, oh, Plankton, it's like in Spongebob. He's here to get Mr. Krabs. I just Krabby kept thinking it would have been really funny if it talked in Plankton's voice. Yeah, you're right. It would be. Plankton's got that, like, perfect cell voice. It's great. Plankton's got a computer wife. I don't know anything about that. Is he just pulling her? Yeah, basically. Oh, God. That's sick. She makes him holographic meatloaf. That he like sits there and just waves his fork through. Probably screams at the top of his lungs, and then they do like an <laughs> ultra grotesque looking hyper real close up of him like licking the meatloaf or something. No. Terrible show. He just says like holographic meatloaf again. Uh, okay. That's it. That's it, huh? Yeah. Alright. Um What happens next? <laughs> I started thinking about meatloaf. <laughs> uh, part where Jolene uh, gets punched through her stomach. Uh, they get back they on land. Just, they get back onto shore. Yeah, and that's basically where that episode ends. Yeah, they they dry out the more like rabid version of it, and that kills it. Um, uh, yes, is is that here in the next one? I'm not sure. I watched these two back to back, and they kind yeah, of blended into one. They thing are. For me. It's two yeah. part episode yeah. despite not saying that in the title but well also the the resolution to all this happens like relatively quickly like there's a good maybe eight to ten minutes of this episode is just kind of the resolution of the fight yeah kind of not the fight itself but essentially they're they're going back towards the shed uh because the more intelligent half is rushing there to try to get the discs gathered yep. up before they so can get there. when this episode starts basically they get back on land and then that's when the um the other people like their shell sort of comes off and he reveals himself in the uh the more evolved form 
of Foo yeah. Fighters, I guess you could say. And then he gives the whole speech about intellect being like the first thing that existed or something, which it, yeah, whatever, man, you watch too much cosmos. <laughs> he does name a specific like author though. Yeah, he does. Had that theory. And hack I can't fraud. <laughs> that man is without a doubt smarter than you and me combined. I doubt it. Whoever that way, anyone who has ever written a book is smarter than the two of us. And I'm including all the really shitty people who have written books. Even Garth Marenghi. Okay, I take it back. <laughs> Even, uh, who's that idiot on Twitter? The one that's like always... Wow, like, that really narrowed it down, dude. <laughs> the guy who like <laughs> pretends like he's a journalist. I don't know. Again, really <laughs> narrowing it down with that one. <laughs> he, he had some stack. Hmm. He kept trying to. What, he looks like an egg. The guy that looks like an egg. on Twitter who aren't really. Oh, the guy who looks like an egg. Yeah, Dr. Robotnik. Egg, Eggman. <laughs> you know. uh, Ian Miles Chong? No. Though he's probably written a book and he's definitely not smart. He, he looks closer to a tumor than an egg, though, also. Yeah. Matt, Matt Iglesias is who I'm thinking of. Okay. The Eggman. He and Miles Chong might be Segechi in real life, honestly. Oh, yeah. He is profoundly disgusting. He is a little monster man. Speaking of little monster men, uh, so <laughs> this is when um, Hermes like, uses Kiss to drag the guard up onto shore. And yeah. Then the... And like, the, the, the freakish part of ff which by the way they call it ff in the yeah. subtitles which is for final fantasy of course i thought it was fantastic four oh, it could be anything it could be ever whatever you want it to be um yeah because if jolene's going towards the shack and if she gets too far from the guards of corpse then her bracelet will go off right um, but it goes towards her and um kiss like makes a uh, copy of her arm so then the this is annoying to talk about the <laughs> the uh crazy version or half of foo fighters like grabs her and she like takes a sticker off so then it like busts his arm or whatever and then it makes a big gash in hers anyway she gets on to shore and oh, what is it oh she um like combines she puts stickers on the husks of the ones that he was inhabiting and then they slam together and create a bunch of dust because he took all the moisture out of them. Yeah, which in turn dries him out. Yeah. Um, which I I like how these two stands, like their understanding of them is growing over time and you're seeing them being used in more interesting ways. I feel yeah. like in some of the other parts of JoJo's, the characters just have such a complete understanding of their stand so early that they're already pulling weird shit like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is still pretty early, really. Sure, and and also, like, I, when I say that I'm also not counting part three, which, like, it doesn't start to get to the more, like, cerebral stand battles until the very end of that series. Like, even, like, Jotaro's whole, like, his gimmick to his stand for the longest time was just, it punch good. Yeah. Um, Remember that part when they were, like, uh, in the giant mouth or whatever, and his whole thing is just like, I'm gonna punch yeah. our way out of here. Yeah, who, oh, who was the, was that it was Midler? A, was the name of the user it was the lady in the desert um, yeah but i think her name is midler that was like rose but yeah we'll bet midler the rose it was something like that 
Isn't Bette Midler turf now? I don't know, probably. Uh, great. I just assume like basically everybody that was famous like pre nineteen ninety nine is. They're yeah, because like the Helena Bron I can't say her name. Helena Broheim Carter. <laughs> Broheim. <laughs> I did that one on purpose. Helena, I, Helena I Bonham. Did you? I did. Helena Bonham <laughs> Carter, I think is what you're actually supposed to say that. Like she was coming out recently too. And going like, oh, everyone is being way too mean to my dear, dear, beloved friend, J.K. Rowling. And of at course. that point, I was just like, you know what? It's more newsworthy when a British person isn't a turf at this yeah. point. Yeah. Something <laughs> like, in the water over there. I don't know. Oh, God. That Midler's not British, though. It's so. all the it's all the pickled eels that they're eating over there. It's doing something to their brain chemistry. Yeah, it's all um, that brown sauce they're consuming. Oh, all all their salad cream. <laughs> I I will admit the digestive biscuits they're eating. I will admit the the full plate like British breakfast thing where it's just like here's a shitload of different sausages and eggs and stuff like that actually looked pretty good. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd eat that, and then everything else I see from them is like a dire medieval food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you ever heard of fairy bread? Yeah, but I don't know exactly what it is. The name is familiar. It's it's just like um, it's just a piece of white bread I think with butter on it and then like sprinkles oh, on top. Yes, because I think we actually talked about this on a podcast because it reminded me of when I was a kid and I liked French toast and I didn't know how to make it, so I would just put like a regular <laughs> slice of bread in the toaster and then I would just pour like a bunch of maple syrup on top of it because I didn't sure. understand. I mean, that seems better than fairy bread. <laughs> sure, like I ate the crap out of it because as a little kid I was just like, this is an excellent vehicle for maple syrup, but I even then knew like I'm doing something wrong. This does not taste like French toast. Um, good times <laughs> I, well i just like oh, that the boy. average the average british diet is shit that i failed to make when i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> child me's fucking around in the kitchen nearly burning the place down making british cuisine um, anyway the, the chase ends up going into the shed where uh white not white snake i'm sorry uh foo fighters has popped open a faucet created a big puddle so it can ex- it just exist in there easily and he's about to like load up the tractor and get out of there uh so jolene like makes a move uh seemingly to uh, what was it that he thought she was trying to do uh... she fakes him out she i think she's just trying to like grab the discs or something and he's just like I'm not dumb enough to fall for that. And it turns out what she did is actually just like start the tractor up and get it to leave. Yeah. Um, Because it's going out into like a dry field where he's not going to be able to chase it without like dying in the process. Um, Which almost happens. He gets like reduced to just his head. Yeah. Uh, His little head hanging out there. And uh, before Hermes is able to kill him, uh, Jolene comes up and, and gives him some water and saves him. A, a real Goku moment. Goku. Of like, I'm going to take pity on my enemy, but also th- there's a component of that of like, we need to ask him questions so it would not be prudent well, to kill him. Not Hermes m- makes a point, which is that he killed like five other people, but then as Jolene says, like he's basically a dog that was given sentience, so like <laughs> you can't really blame him too much. 
It's a very nice thing to say to this guy who's just like, I am the intelligence born from the beginning of the universe. <laughs> also, he's just listening to it while he's ahead down there. <laughs> and she's just like saying, this thing, like, it's basically not even a real person. Like, <laughs> it's just operating on instinct. If we didn't need something from him, I would have squished him like a bug. I do not care about him. I do not value his life. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there, there's like a, a bit earlier on where they refer to it as a thing and it gets really offended by that. And it's like, no, I have a name and my name is Food Fighters. <laughs> I'd like I to know how he came up with that. that sound yeah. coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I don't know, maybe a radio was playing nearby or something. Who, who maybe. Say? Uh, I just heard, I got another confession <laughs> to make. And he was like, yeah, that's what I'm going to name myself after. I would want to stop existing if I heard that. <laughs> good song no what you're like the best the best the best the best of you no Mm. it's the worst the worst the worst of their (laughs) discography (laughs) absolutely not have you heard their newer albums yikes no i haven't um they they get back there they got all these stand discs collected up and they find Jotaro's uh, star platinum disc there and they basically have come to an understanding with Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters appreciates being spared and he wants to help them because his main thing is just protect the discs. Like they're a part of he owes his life to them, his intelligence to them, so he views them as part of his identity. Mm-hmm. Well that and like out of gratitude basically to White Snake for giving him life. I keep saying he, and I think it's mostly because in the dub they try to like voice modulate the actors yeah. to sound very like masculine, like give it kind of like a, a, a bestial voice. Mm-hmm. Um, when like in reality, it's a collection of plankton. It doesn't sure. have a gender. Um, I'm going to assume they refer to it as a female for the rest of it because it like it's, reassimilates it's itself into at this point, I suppose. Yeah, it assimilates itself into Atro's body. Yeah. And gives us the funniest little character tidbit in this entire <laughs> series so far. Yeah. yeah. Which is that Atro, when she was a kid, wanted nothing more than to have been kidnapped. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> Very funny. It's like he. <laughs> and so in her adult years, she decided that. She wanted to kidnap a child to basically recreate this thing that she was never able to experience, but from the other side of that. Yeah, and specifically doesn't say, like, what happened after that. So Atro should be in jail. We're in agreement on this. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, they make a point earlier on where they're like, she always gets bullied. So they try to go, like, slightly sympathetic with her. And then you find out later she kidnapped a kid. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe she deserved to get bullied. Yeah, that Um, one's a very funny bit. Yeah. Well, also because they say that like five seconds before she explodes. Yeah. She, by the way, she explodes like that one guy in the best of the... They say that at the very end. Oh, the bullying part. Yes, that's right before she explodes. To, To go back for a bit, though, I can't remember the name of the movie, but the best of the worst bit where they have that clip where the guy gets shot with the rocket launcher and blows up and immediately cuts to like the the main hero of the movie immediately went to jail for that murder. Yeah. Oh, what was I don't remember what the name of that movie was. Me either. But she blows up like that. Like It's just this very sudden full body eruption. It's great. Um. 
but yeah, so she also is a freak for liquid because again, she needs hydration and so she'll get it from any source she can, uh, which includes licking wounds and having her tongue just extend out of her body several feet to lap up a puddle. Yeah, it just rolls around in the puddle like with a huge tongue going, water, I love water. I'm going to predict that uh, Atro slash Foo Fighters is going to be my favorite character this season. That's what I expected. Um, just Foo Fighters at this point, like a trio is dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have, she'll still use her name because she makes a point of like, well, because I have these memories, I can reassimilate into the prison system and nobody will notice. Yeah, I guess um, so. I get the feeling it's going to be one of those things if she doesn't understand human society, so it'll play into one of my favorite tropes in in fiction which is like a character out of place out of time or something kind of learning how the world works so yeah. i i will probably like her a lot she, she's like a basically a pet alien they have on their team just like paul just like paul just like paul <laughs> it's exactly like paul <laughs> so uh the well they the guards find them and they make up on the spot a quick story about like oh an alligator ate the other guard which fine like I, everyone will probably buy that so we in the last episode were wondering like okay is white snake just going to like hang around in the show for a while and we're not going to see a stand user until like a ways in turns out Asked and answered <laughs> poochie shows up uh he's looking at the scene he of the crime an important part with foo fighters i did what did i mean she has to hide the disc Oh man, yeah. I <laughs> How could you forget? She's she's like, I'll instead of just fully absorbing it into her body, I guess she's just like, I'll make my titties bigger and I'll slide it between them. It's, it's so weird. I like how she was initially just being like, I am the supreme intelligence. I am smarter than human life. And then as soon as she like assimilates into this body, she's as dumb as a dog. Yep. She's drinking out of puddles, growing her boobs, just dumb as hell. I love her. <laughs> what a good character. Thank you, Iraqi. <laughs> so we got um So Poochie's here. We Yeah, Poochie's here. It... This guy's hair makes me angry in the same way as Seymour from Final Fantasy Ten. <laughs> okay. I, apparently I have this limit to like crazy anime hair where you go too far into the realm of impossibility and I'm just like, ooh, fuck you. <laughs> the weird thing is, I don't, I don't think he always looked like this, like in the manga. I think that's something Araki changed over time and so now he just looks like that here. I... I saw a, f a panel from the manga where he was drawn in a way that made it look like he had Munchausen's, and I think Rocky was having a bad art day. I don't know. But, um... He looked real weird. I'm gonna see if I can show that to you after this podcast, but it, it was definitely... I don't know if it's, like, the first time that he drew him or something, but he is, like, way off model. So, I've seen, uh... Oh, that reminds me. That there's a part there's a boss fight in the Callisto protocol where if you lose it, there's an animation where the enemy just like keeps punching uh, Mr. Callisto in the face over and over. <laughs> and it sort of like, caves his... Mr. Callisto. He, it like caves his face in a little bit, like on the bottom. So he sort of has a big bulging forehead and a caved in face. And Ooh. it kind of looks like the way uh, the characters in penny arcade are drawn now. 
is really funny. Oh no. Uh, I am trying to pull this picture up right now. Well, uh, what I was going to say is I've seen a lot of pictures of Poochie and the, the like his hair and that whole like eyebrow thing seemed like it varied a lot. And so I thought that was something that just changed over the course of it. But yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, are you fine with Poochie's design? Because it does bother the hell yeah, out of it's me. Fine. Okay. I just, I can't. I can't really cope with that hairstyle. The whole thing of like the beard goes up into like his head hair and everything. <laughs> it's just a lot for me. <laughs> I think it's funny. Okay. I have this pulled up here. I lost it for a second. I'm going to link this to you real quick. It doesn't matter. I want you to see this. I need you to agree with me that this looks horrific. It's going to be a very large image, so you'll have to open it up. It's like a family tree that somebody... Oh, like, God, what are you made. sending? Okay. It's on the left side, like the left frame, upper right corner. Left frame, upper right corner. Oh, yeah. All right, first of all, I don't think you know what Munchausen's is. No, I probably do not. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, I think you're thinking of hydrocephaly. Um <laughs> Look, uh, he's, got yeah, some, that, he's got some kind of condition, okay? Yeah, like he's kind of looking like Rubber Johnny here in the Epic <laughs> Twin video. There's something extremely wrong with the way that Araki drew Poochie's cranium. Yeah, like, I, I think that's just like bad day. Yeah, well, bad day or I Actually, think quite oh, that, possibly the first time he drew him. I think it is because that pose looks like exactly the same one way shown here when he's looking down. So it probably is the first oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, his hair looks even worse there though, because like there's a lot more bald space on his head. Whereas like in the like later drawings of him and in the show, it looks more like he's just kind of run a, a razor through certain parts to style his hair. Um, yeah. This looks like he's got some sort of weird form of like alopecia going on. Yeah. That's also causing it to <laughs> grow along the front of his forehead for some reason. Well, we'll unravel this a... mystery on a later date. Uh, but anyway, he says that um, he's going to be staying until he gives the uh, sacrament on Sunday. Yeah. And so he's so the now... prison priest. And, yes. and that's why he's there. The Padre. Yeah. Uh, I, he, I'm thinking he just must be misunderstood. He's a priest. How could he be back up? <laughs> sure priests have never done anything bad no heavens no <laughs> uh i thought it was interesting how in the past few episodes there's been a credit with just question marks next to it uh, which i guess was for the white snake voice and now that he actually appeared it mm. must say enrico pucci i i will say in the dub i'm not a fan of his voice when it's being piped through white snake i think his delivery plus the like voice modulation they do for it makes him sound weird i think it uh, sounds cool in the japanese but again i'm for this really next, yeah for this next set i'm switching over to the japanese one because i had already watched like two episodes dubbed to this set i figured i'd just finish it through but um his regular like speaking voice is totally fine. So I, I don't know. I think it's just a voice modulation thing, but maybe I guess I won't find out next week. <laughs> Why not? Well, cause I'm doing the Japanese dub. So we'll probably just be oh, fine oh, on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 
You switch off this English shit. So for this uh, batch of episodes, we'll be back next week with episodes 9, 10, 11, and 12. Mm. I haven't looked to see, like, what these episodes are, so I can't tell you even, like, oh, based on the title, we'll be saying blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It is, it's a mystery. It is uh, three weeks of recording, and we'll have knocked out that first batch that aired like a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. What a great plan. Yeah. Terrific. All right. Well, say the thing. No. We'll see you. We'll see you next week on Stand and Deliver. Like that? No, you got to yell it. I'm not going to yell it anymore. I told you. Stand and Deliver. I also said not to do this anymore. <laughs> I said no more of that ever. Why we ended like it's horrible? A hundred episodes of a podcast. It's a new doing era. First, it's not a hundred. This is sixty-eight. But that, new it era feels like a hundred. Thirty episodes of that was us watching Tokusatsu, but it feels like a hundred. A few episodes were about Fast and Furious movies or Star Trek too. But I. I can't remember. Did we do an episode for Sopranos? I don't think so. Okay. That was part of the Gabagool zone. Right. Okay. Man. It's nice to have the podcast be about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure again. It's nice to have something to focus on. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll be focusing on this next weekend. I will never yell again because Larry has forbidden it. Thank you. Yelling is forbidden. That's what Master Shake said. <laughs> We'll see you next week on Stanley.